0: To God. How many are excited to be on church on a Sunday evening? Amen. As I said it this morning, I didn't know anything else I'd rather do but then preaching this morning. I don't know if there's anything else I'd rather be doing than be up here in Derry City preaching the Word of God. I'm telling you, I love the sound of that island church. Amen. Up in the great Northwest, Island Church up here. I mean, I am so ecstatic. I'm excited to see what God is going to be doing in this land. I got, like I I keep on saying, there's something just stirring on the inside of me. Me and Cynthia, even, even, uh, uh, Kimberly and, and Jason and some of us we talk about as we as we drive up here. Just there's something lights up on the inside of us because I'm telling you, church, God is desiring to do something amazing in this land. Amen. A lot of people think this may be a forgotten land. There's not much going on here, but I'm telling you, God has something different to say about it. God is desiring for a great move of God to come upon this land and it begin to go like spider webs across the north the north side of this island. But church, it's going to take some people to get hooked up with them. It's going to get it's going to take people to that have to get a revelation of who he is, what they've called them to do and get plugged into the move of God and not run away from it. Amen. So I'm just thankful church. I'm telling you, and I'll tell you this by the spirit of God. Listen, church, if you will stay hooked up with the, with the move of God in your life and not, and not get fearful and run away from it, I am telling you, it will absolutely change you. And it won't just change you. It's going to change the family that God has birthed on the inside of you. But it's not just going to change your family. It's going to change your city that you're in. But I'm telling you, church, if you will allow it, if you'll stay hooked up, it's not just going to change your city, it's going to change your nation. And I'm telling you, church, we have got to stay hooked up with what He's doing because He's desiring to do something big. Amen. But it takes people to do it through. He's, he's not going to come down from heaven and do these things for Himself. He's anointed you. He's anointed each and every one of you to fulfill a call and a destiny upon your life, church. I'm telling you, it's time we need to get hooked up with these things, amen? We need to get hooked up with these things. This, this verse has been stirring up in me. It's not necessarily my message, but, but we'll get there in a second. It's Psalms 1. I, it's, it's been stirring up in me, and, and every time I've come up here since last week, I just didn't, I just didn't give it. And I, I'm telling you, I love these verses. It says, it says, Blessed is the man. Amen. how many how many of y'all want to be blessed? How many of y'all want to be empowered in your life? It says, blessed is the man. Amen. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He didn't sit in the seat of the scoffers. He didn't sit in the people that make fun of the things of God. He's not, he's not sitting in the things uh, where people are pushing back or are moving away or not wanting to hear from God. It's not sitting in the seat of the scoffers. Amen nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the scene of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight is in the word of God. And in his word doth he meditate day and night. In his word is he allowed to roll over his mind, roll over his spirit, roll over his soul day and night, day and night. He says this type of man, this type of man, that loves the word of God, that meditates on the word of God. He says, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Bring him forth his fruit in his season. He says, his leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does, whatsoever he puts his hands to, it will prosper. It will prosper. In Jeremiah uh, 17, 7 and 8, it says it like this, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be a tree planted by waters, spreading out her roots by the river. And he shall not see heat when it comes, but her leaf shall be green. And he shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither cease from yielding fruit. Neither cease from yielding fruit. How many of y'all know that there are dry times that are going to come? Amen. So we can we can be we can be people in the kingdom, we can be people full of fire, full of full of full of vigor, full of everything that God has placed on the inside. I'm telling you, dry times are coming. Amen. I dry times will come. But listen, if we can get ourselves planted in the river, if we can get ourselves planted, we can allow these roots that are on the inside of us, not just stop here, amen, but allow them to go down deep, allow them to go down deep into that river. It says that, that yeah, the heat's going to come, but you're not going to notice it because you're going to have a full river of water of life fulfilling everything that you need. It says that your leaf will not wither. Amen. See, some of y'all think, oh, well, this, there's a season coming. And I, you know, my leaves are going to get dark. And then they're going to they're fall off the tree. And, and then, but, you know, praise the Lord. We'll have uh, spring coming off. And I'll, I'll get new, new leaves coming off of me. And I'll be able to do the things that the Lord's asking us to do. No, no, no. See, the word says if you stay planted, amen, even if you have oak trees. See, God's calling us to be strong, mighty oaks, amen. But if you, you can be an oak tree, he says your leaves will not wither. They will not leave. They will not turn brown. They will not turn orange. They will say green year long. Why? Because he is calling us to be in a perpetual state of harvest. He's calling you to live in spring and summer your whole life. There is no winter in the kingdom. Amen. It doesn't mean it may not come around you, but we don't have to participate with it. We will be prospering in everything that we do. It just depends on where you want to be planted. Amen? Where do you want to be planted? What, do you, what are you desiring to do with your life? Amen? Circumstances get hot, but glory to God, we don't have to participate with these things. Amen? So how do we, how do we get to that place that, that we get to the... How do we get to the place of the point of no return? Amen? Because see, this is what it's about. This, is, this would be why you're, you'd want to come to church on a Sunday evening. This is why you'd want to, to you know, even come to a new church plant getting started. It's not because you're not interested in the things of God. You're trying to step over that line, amen, and come back from the point of where there is no return. Amen? See, a lot of Christians nowadays, we want to we ride that line. We want to we you know, benefit from the kingdom of God, but we want to still play in the world and do what the world has to say. But how do, how do we get into that place where there is no return. Amen. That we, that we come to the islands like the, like the, like the Vikings used to do. And when we get to the island, we burn the ship. Amen. Why? Cause we're not going back. There's nothing to go back to. There's only one thing to move forward to, and that is the kingdom of God and what he has for us. How do we get into this place? We got to lay a foundation in our lives. We got to get, you know, the, the basic doctrines of the kingdom of God settled in our hearts, church. We got to get these basic doctrines settled into our hearts. And this is what we've been talking about here in Hebrews chapter 6. In Hebrews chapter 6, an amazing chapter. An amazing chapter. Now there's there's six different milk doctrines or six different basic doctrines or elementary doctrines of the word of, of the Word of God talked about here in, in verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. He says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance of dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, which is plural, of the laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of the eternal judgment, and of the eternal judgment. Listen, church, I I find these very frustrating that we 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 have the six easiest doctrines laid out in front of us, and most of the church world nowadays doesn't even submit themselves to it. They won't submit themselves to it. Why? Because they'd rather submit themselves to a denominational doctrine, amen, or some reformed theology, and they don't allow Jesus to be the word of God in their life. They don't want Jesus to be the word of their life. You say, what's the problem with that? Listen, it destroys the very thing Jesus was trying to do, unify his people, amen? We sit there and then, I can't hang around you because of this. You can't hang around me because of that. Listen, unity gets destroyed, and we can't grow one another up. We can't sharpen sharpen up one another. Listen to me, I'm telling you guys, do not ever allow circumstance, do not allow an experience, amen, to be the cornerstone of your faith. Allow Jesus to be your faith. Allow, allow Jesus to be your cornerstone in everything you do. Not, not a denomination, not a preacher. I mean, I'm mean, i telling you, allow the word of God. Allow Jesus himself to be the cornerstone that is your foundation that you can build off in everything in the kingdom of God. In, uh, in verse 1 it says, Therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. Amen. The first thing I want to point out here is that these are the doctrines of Christ. They're the doctrines of of Jesus. It's not the the doctrines of of every single denomination out there. It's not the doctrine of of Ryan Penn. It's not not the the doctrines of, of Kimberly. No, this is the doctrine of Jesus. Amen. And if we're talking about the doctrines of Jesus, we might want to pay attention to them. We might want to pay attention to what they have to say. He says, Leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. He goes, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity is what that word means. How do we get to that place of maturity? I'm telling you, it's simple. Allow the word of God to usurp everything in your life allowed to usurp every, every experience you've had, every conversation you've have. We have to allow the Word of God to usurp everything in your, in your life, and then church you need to come and get in peace with it. We need to allow the peace of God to rule our hearts. We need to come into peace with the Word of God. What am I saying? Stop fighting it. Stop fighting the Word of God. Stop fighting different doctrines that different people talk about. Start fighting those things, amen, and just trust the Word of God. Grab a hold of it. Stop trying to talk yourself out of why these things can't work for you, amen, and allow them to become manifest in your lives, amen. How many of y'all know that the Bible is not an answer book? You know, see, everyone said, oh, you want the answer? Just go to the Word. I'm telling you, the Bible is not an answer book, it doesn't give you the answer to every situation you're in. See, it didn't give us the answer when we were, when the Holy Ghost told us to come plant a church up, up in the north. We began to travel around to see what the, north, uh, what the north had to offer, where the Holy Ghost wanted us to go inside the north. We didn't, we didn't just say, oh, let me go. What chapter, what chapter is where should I go plant a church in? Oh, in Jeremiah 29, it says go to Derry City and to, to go plant a church. It doesn't say that. It doesn't give you the answer to everything. It won't give you the answer of who you need to marry. Amen. It won't give you the answer who you shouldn't marry. Amen. But it will give you a foundation to where we can hear from the Spirit of God. Amen. And He can lead us. He can guide us. And He he can direct us. Phil, what is the Word of God for? If it doesn't give us answers for everything, what does it do? It is a doubt-removing book. Amen. It is the Word of God and it removes all doubt. Amen. Anything, any kind of doubt that's trying to rise up on the inside of you, any kind of unbelief that is contrary to the word of God that tries to rise up in you, you can find a scripture, you can stand on it, and you can allow your faith to grab a hold of it, and then these things will manifest in your life. Amen. This is what the word of God is for. Amen. Not to answer all your questions, but to remove all doubt that you may have. Amen. To remove all doubt, not just a little bit of your doubt, but to remove all doubt that you may have. Amen. Just like Brother Hagin may say, I'll tell you, see, the, the, a lot of the problem we have is, is we as <laughs> we're a people. We are people that are religiously brainwashed. I'm talking about from the time we're this big, we're religiously brainwashed on on how we ought to be doing things, amen. And we're not New Testament taught. Hello. The New Testament. These letters that are written to us as the church. I mean, these these have to be of more value amen, than any kind of religion that we've ever learned in our lives, amen. I'm telling you, this this is where freedom will come for. This is where freedom will be manifested in your lives if you will will grab a hold of it, amen. It says, repentance from dead works. Not uh, Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. I'm telling you, this does not say, this does not say forgiveness from dead works, Amen, this says repentance from dead works. Now, now I'm thankful we have a God that that is so forgiving. He has forgiven all of our sin. I'm telling you, he's absolutely amazing. We got an amazing God that he is a forgiving God. He desires to forgive you more than you desire to forgive yourself. But I'm telling you, church, that's not what this is talking about. Amen, this is talking about a repentance from dead works, not, not the forgiveness of a dead works. Amen, forgiveness and repentance, they're not the same thing. How many of you know that here? Forgiveness and repentance, they're not the same things. You know, we want to wad them up and like in a ball nowadays and say, you know, do, do this and that, and that's repentance. Come cry at the altar. That's repentance. That is not repentance. Amen? Many of us are seeking forgiveness, but we don't repent. Amen? When we don't repent and we just seek out forgiveness, we can't get out of the rut that we're in. Amen? we got to repent first and then allow forgiveness to come on the backside of that. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is to cancel a debt. Is the, is a, to uh, cancel a debt is a remittance or a complete cancellation of a punishment earned. Amen. Does anyone own a, have a mortgage in here? You don't own it, but how many of you have a mortgage in this place? Amen. What, what if they're say, man, you are so amazing. The bank calls you up and say, man, just because you committed and come up to, to Island Church this weekend, just because you are so committed, we love you so much, we're going to forgive that debt. Amen. Would that put a smile on your face? That put a smile on my face. Amen. I'll forgive the debt that you have. What does that mean? They'd say, stamp, paid in full, stamp done. There's no more request for a payment. It's canceled. You get it out of the way. It's taken off the books. It's completely finished. Amen. It's completely finished. It is done. Amen. This is what forgiveness is. It, 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 get, it gets rid of something where it's not a responsibility of judgment to come on the backside of it. Amen. Now, seeking forgiveness is a good thing. It's a noble thing. We ought to seek forgiveness. You say, why is that? Because when we seek forgiveness, it it allows a wedge to get removed from the person that you offended, amen, to where we can continue to come and and communicate. I mean, my wife, when when she has to apologize for me when she's mean to me all the time, listen, what does that do? It takes a wedge out of the way to where we can live a a happy life with one another, amen, and be a good representation to our children. Amen. Forgiveness is a noble thing. We have to seek these things. But listen, true forgiveness is initiated by repentance. True forgiveness is initiated by by repentance. It's not initiated because you got caught. <clears throat> It's not initiated because you know you felt bad that someone saw what you did. That, that is not forgiveness. See, this is why people continue to do things over and over and over again and just say, "Oh, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? God, I'm sorry. I keep doing that. Will you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you. God, I'm so sorry. I, I, I did it again. Yeah, will you forgive me? God, I'm I'm so sorry." I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me again? Will you forgive me again? Will you forgive me again? But it's not true repentance. It's not true forgiveness unless, unless repentance comes. Why? You know what you're saying? Lord, <clears throat> I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry you noticed that. I'm sorry because conviction came upon me. You know, officer, I, I'm sorry I was speeding down the road. You're not sorry you're speeding down the road. You're sorry he caught you speeding down the road. Mm-hmm. Amen. See, there's a difference. Between proper forgiveness and what we as people say, forgiveness, I say I'm sorry for everything. You know, what is repentance? Repentance has to come first. Repentance is that Greek word metanoia. And I'm telling you, it is one of my favorite words in the Bible. I'm telling you, I love it. You say, why is that? Because it, it's so misunderstood. I love to teach on it. Amen. The Greek word metanoia, it's a simple word. All it means is changing the way you think. Amen. It doesn't mean you come and crying. That's not repentance. That doesn't mean you go ask for forgiveness. That may be a product of it. But see, metanoia, true repentance, it's changing the way you think. What does that mean? It's thinking differently. It's not thinking like the culture thinks. It's not thinking like the way you were brought up to think. It's not thinking like your parents think. It's not thinking the way religion has taught you to think. It is changing that way of thinking and beginning to think like Jesus has told us to think. How Jesus has trained us to think. As the Word of God has trained us to think. It is it is a, a shift in your perception. Now, when you take a shift and you change the way you think about something, many times forgiveness will come from that because, man, I've been messing up here. You know, I can't believe I've been doing that for years and years and years. Now, I truly ask for forgiveness. And what happens? I'll never do it again. It'll never happen again. Why? Because I've changed the way I've thought. See, a lot of people want to teach repentance. They say it's like, you know, you, it's like if you're walking down this direction, you, you shift and make a 180, and that's repentance. You, you've changed your direction, which is true. I like that. That's that's a good, that's a good terminology. But listen, you, sh- you change the way you walk. You change the direction you're going. That shift comes because you've changed the way you have thought. Because see, if you don't change the way you thought, just as easy as you start walking this direction, You'll turn back and go the other direction again. Oh, well, I'm going to go this direction again. No, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go back this direction again. I mean, it's not true repentance until you change the way you think. See, this is why people get in this mindset of going to church. You know, I'll go to church. Man, that was an amazing service. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm getting, I'm, 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 I'm getting plugged in now. This is it. I'm going to live for God now. This is it. Well, maybe not this weekend. I got, you know, you know there's a great football match coming on. Oh, but well, I know I shouldn't have done that. Now, man, I am I, going after the things of God because this is a great service. Amen. There is no repentance there. Amen. Repentance is not just shifting your direction. It is changing the way we think. Amen. So this is what happened in Genesis chapter 3, isn't it? You know, when, you're, when, you, look at, when you look at when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, Right, and God came looking for him. How many of y'all know that that God comes looking for you when when you don't do things right? He's not coming to hurt you, not coming to punish punish you, but he's coming he's coming for you. He's coming to try to make get our, his relationship repaired. And he did this with Adam and Eve in the garden. He came looking for him. He knew they sent something got disconnected between them. So what was it? What was he going to do? I believe he was giving them an opportunity to repent. He was giving them an opportunity to seek forgiveness. So what did he do? He came to the man. He came to Adam, the head of the household, the one that's. Responsible that God holds responsible for that covenant, that marriage relationship they've had. He came and said, "Son, he goes, what are you doing? What's the crack? You know what happened here." And He goes, "What is that woman you gave me? What's that woman you gave me?" He was trying to get Adam to own up responsibility, try to you know seek forgiveness, repent from what he's doing, seek forgiveness and what he did. He, he blames. See, most people think, "Oh, he blamed Eve. He didn't blame Eve." He didn't blame Eve, he was blaming God. Because see, none of this would have happened if you didn't give me her. You know, I would have been grand, I would have chopped down that tree. I wouldn't have ate from it, but, but it's that woman you gave me, Lord. So he goes, okay, I guess it's not an Adam. What about you, Eve? What's the crack? What's you? What's up with you? What do you have? And what did he say? You know, not nah, Lord, I know uh, we walked the wrong direction. We went through it. No, it was that serpent. A serpent manipulated me, Lord. I'm not my responsibility. It was, it was that serpent. Well, he do looked over the serpent, and he cursed it. And he cursed it, and he prophesied to it. He said, there's going to be a foot that's going to be coming upon your head. You may strike at its heel, but it's going to crush your head. Amen? It's going to crush your head. And then now, we are where we're at. He started preparing the way to Jesus to come to, to, to redeem each and every one of us in glory to God. Jesus did. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, secondly here, it says we're not not seeking repentance from, we are seeking repentance from dead works. We're not seeking repentance from sin. Amen. Now, we do repent from sin. Amen. But this is not what this is talking about. Amen. We're not seeking repentance from sin. We are seeking repentance from dead works. Now, listen, when we we study the scriptures, church, we got to know, we have to understand who the Holy Ghost through whichever minister is delivering the word, who he's speaking to. Amen? You say, what do I mean by that? We are in the book of Hebrews. Who is, who is the Holy Ghost? Who is the author of Hebrews talking to? He's talking to the church, right? We can tell that through, through what he's talking about, people that are believers in Jesus, that, you know, Jesus is our, our final sacrifice, and so on and so forth. We know he is talking to the church. But more specifically, who is he talking to? He's talking to the Hebrew church. Amen. I he's talking to the Hebrew church. He's talking to the Jewish church, amen, and, and, and trying to get them out of the, the state of tradition and religion that they're in, trying to get them to begin to walk back in faith in what they were called to do, amen? Now, he said, he said from repentance from dead works, what were dead works to the Jews at this point? What were the dead works to, for them that, that he begins to talk about here? It was anything under the Levitical law. Amen. Is anything under, under the law that these, that these men were doing, thinking that it was going to bring them back into the place of receiving Jesus or, or getting to communion with the Lord or getting them closer and more intimate with the things of God by what they were doing as a work? Amen. Like what? Keeping the feast days. Amen. Like, like keeping the Sabbath. Amen. Like, like keeping circumcision. Amen. Doing, doing all these kinds of things, he was trying to, to, to open up the door to where they began to operate in faith. You say, why does that matter? Because everything in the Word of God is Christocentric. Everything is centered around Jesus. Everything in the Old Covenant was pointing to Jesus. Everything was shifting us where we can get our eyes on Jesus. Everything was getting us, getting us to be prepared to receive what Jesus has. You say, so why don't we keep feast days anymore? Because Jesus is our feast. You say, well, why don't don't we keep the Sabbath anymore? Because Jesus is our rest. You say, why don't we have to get circumcised anymore? You do, but Jesus circumcised your heart. Amen. You don't have to do the physical action anymore. It's all in a spiritual sense in receiving what he has done for us. Amen. Jesus, through redemption, fulfilled everything in the old covenant that was pointing towards him, that was trying to reveal him and the Father himself. Glory to God, and I'm thankful for it. Amen. I mean, there's many things in the law, church. There's many laws we can follow that have religious significance, but they have no scriptural value. You say, what does that mean? There's a lot of things we can do that look really great and religious. Amen, but they don't have any scriptural value. There's no promises connected to them. They're dead. They don't do anything for you. Amen, and these are the kind of things that the Lord is trying to keep us away from. Amen, at this time in history, we had... We had a sect of, of uh, believers called the Judaizers that were coming out of Judah. They were they were coming, and they were these these were staunch religious Christians at the time, and they were saying, "Listen, if you don't if you don't if you don't get circumcised, if you don't keep the feast days, if you don't keep the Sabbath, you're not a real Christian." Amen. I don't care if you if you've done that Romans ten, nine and ten thing and will believe in in your heart and confess it in with your mouth. I don't care about all that. If you don't do that plus these things, Amen, then 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 you aren't a true Christian. Even to the point that, that the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians when they when they started coming together, like, well listen, we you can't eat with those guys over there. You can't you can't eat with this boy over here. He's from England. You can't eat with him. you know, you, can only, you can only eat with the Northern Irish people. You know, this is the only thing you can do. You got to be separated from them. Don't marry them. You can't marry them. They're still still Gentiles. Listen, church, I'm telling you, back before Jesus, there were two classifications of people. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. There were Jews and there were Gentiles. Nothing else existed. Amen. There was no other kind of, of race, if you will. After Jesus came, now there's three. You have a Jew, you have a Gentile, and now you have the church that's made up of both. Amen. We are a race. Amen. The church is a race. It is a holy nation. Amen. It is a people separated for God. It is a generation that God has set forth, made forth of of the Jew and the Gentile representing the kingdom of God and everything that we're doing here on this earth. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, there's there's still a lot of these religious sects out there in every denomination, church. Forgive me on that, Lord. I'm not going to broad stroke that. But there are a lot of religious activities and religious sects even in the denominational world nowadays. Amen. They say what, you can't associate with those Christians. Don't associate with them over there, man. Those are those ones that talk in tongues over there. Now these are the ones that believe in healing over here. You know, these these are the ones that do that. No, 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 no. Associate with those people. Unless they wear the same badge of Christianity you do, don't go with them because they're gonna brainwash you. They're gonna get you, they're gonna get you off track. Amen. And the Lord is trying to get us freed up from those things, amen, and allowing the Word of God to come back in unity to where it leads us, it guides us in everything we're doing. I'm telling you, the same thing happened to Peter and Paul. You, you know the story. You know, Peter was coming up and he was hanging out, you know, having the crack with, with Paul and all the guys and Barnabas, and there's amazing things happening as they're going out into the known world this time, preaching the gospel, healings taking place, amazing things happening. Amen. And Peter was sitting there having a good time until the Judaizers came up. And you know what he said? He's like, oh, those guys are over here. I'm going to come hang out over here with them, you know, because I can't I'm not permitted to be over here. I don't want when I go back home, those people to be mad at me. Amen. And what happened? He got a big, fat rebuke from Paul. Amen. In front of everybody. Amen. Saying you, you want to live like a Gentile. Amen. But you're making them, trying to make them live like a Jew. Amen. He gave them rebuke for, for trying to live under these religious restraints. Amen. Now let's go here in chapter 10. Let me knock this out. Hallelujah. In chapter 10 here, in verse 1 it says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not of the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect or mature or complete. For they would not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshipers have purged should once have no more have the conscience of sins. Meaning, if, if, if this would have purged us, if, it, if, if these offerings, these sacrifices that, that they kept on doing, if they would have continued to do it, you never would have had to do them again, amen? Because that one sacrifice would have purged you from the sin, but it didn't do it. It just covered it up, amen? It says, but in those sacrifices, and that remembrance, again, made of sins every year, verse four, for it's not possible That the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into this world, he saith, sacrifices and offerings you didn't want, but a body you have prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin—you had no pleasure in this. Was this was prophecy talking about talking about the Father? He's saying you didn't. You don't have. You don't. You don't, You don't take pleasure in these in these offerings and these sacrifices that are taking place. You've prepared a body, and it wasn't us. It was Jesus. He prepared Jesus for each and every one of us. Amen. And going off even over here to verse twenty-six. It says, "For if you willingly." After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice of sins. Amen. I remember, he's talking to the Jews here. I mean, we're trying to get some contextual influence here, learning where, where uh, the author is talking about in this day. Amen. He's, talk, he's talking to the Jews saying, listen, if you mess up, if you sin, if you, if you blow it, listen, you can't go back into the old works. You can't regress. You can't go back into offering sacrifices again. You can't go back into keeping the feast days. You can't, you can't think that you're just going to go and, and, and make these sacrifices and everything's going to be okay because that's not the way things go. I mean, you can't regress. There is one sacrifice that's been completed and it is done for each and every one of us. Amen. You can't regress. You can't, you can't turn around. This doesn't mean that God is angry. It doesn't mean that that we can't do something. It's not that God is trying to to separate us. Amen? It just means that the the sacrifice is final. Don't, Don't regress back into old religion. Matter of fact, I have to say that if we regress and go back in this direction, it takes you out of grace. And why does it take you out of grace? Because you don't have faith in what Jesus has done for you. You now have faith in what the law has done for you. Amen. How many of y'all know that God has never saved us for being a good person? Hmm? God has never saved you because you're good. You know, God saved you because of your faith, because of what you believe. Even the Old Testament, he didn't, he didn't, these men were never righteous because they were good people. Amen. It's not because they were good people. It's because of what they believed. It's who they believed, who they trusted in. I'm telling you, church, God did not come to make bad people good. He, made, he came to make dead people alive. This is the God that we serve. So what do we do if we miss the mark? What do we do if we, if we, if we got off direction and, you know, there's already been one sacrifice made or we can't go make another sacrifice? What, what are we supposed to do now? Well, well, God gave us 1 John 1, 9. He says, if you confess your son, he's faithful. He's just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and cleanse you of all unrighteous. If you are, if you will confess it, where does that confession come from? It comes from repentance. It comes from a place of metanoia, knowing that you missed the mark, knowing that that I'm going to shift my way of thinking of doing things the way I wanted to do it, you know, and I'm going to start doing it the way Jesus wants. And when that happens, you confess and say, man, I missed it, Lord. I miss it. I like how the, the Passion Translation says that. It says when that sin is uncovered in you, when, when the Holy Ghost uncovers something that you haven't been doing uh, appropriately or how he desires you to do it, it says then you confess those things. Then, then seek forgiveness for things. And he says that he is faithful and just to forgive you from them and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What, is, what does this confession do? It, it gives us the opportunity to keep the door of communication open with God. It removes that wedge and allows us to, to communicate fully with him. Listen, listen, how how many of y'all know that, that our confession is not necessarily for God? Amen. God God looks at our heart. Amen. He knows our heart. He knows where we're standing on things. I mean, he's already forgiven our, our, our sin, you know, past, present, and future. He's forgiven these things. Why, why is it saying we confess these things? Why, why do we need to confess these things? I'm telling you, because it's to bring yourself back into the place where you can position yourself into intimacy with him. It's not because he's going to rip his hand away from you. It's because you rip your hand away from him when these things are coming into, into existence. You become calloused Amen. When you know you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, you become callous spiritually and you can't hear from God. And when you can't hear from God, you can't be directed by God. When you can't be directed by God, you can't be intimate with God. When you can't be intimate with God, everything becomes dead that you're doing. Everything becomes dead that you're doing. I'm telling you, church, we need to keep that sensitivity that spiritual sensitivity to where we can hear Him and we're quick to repent. We're quick to to change our way of thinking. We're quick to seek forgiveness to where we can keep that intimacy between our Lord and ourselves. You know, know, my wee boy here, Yeah, this is a, well, it wasn't too long ago, but uh, we were having a conversation at our house and, you know, one of our, three amazing children did something that they didn't, they weren't supposed to be doing. Amen. There's something that wasn't right. You know, we knew knew something wasn't right. We just didn't know who did it. Amen. So what do I do? We're sitting around the dinner table. I said, tell me who did it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I said, of course, it was your mother that did it. Right? Yeah. Tell me who did it. It wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. I said, okay, well, this is how it's going to work. You You are all going to be grounded until I find out the truth. Amen? Anyone ever been there growing up? You're all grounded, every single one of you. Well, I didn't do it. I don't care. You're all grounded until the person comes to admit, you know, what happens? My daughter there, you know, my little beautiful Chinese girl, little tears starts rolling down her eyes. She said, tears start rolling down her eyes. She goes, "I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Daddy, I'm, you know, it was me, I'm sorry. I said, okay. I said, okay, boys, you can go. Here we go. Lucy, this is your punishment. I thank you for admitting it. You know, this is your punishment, amen. Well, the next morning, we think everything's done. Lo and behold, my son comes and he talks to my, my wife. He comes up to her, says, Mom, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. And he said, well, what, well what's that about? What, what do we need to talk about? And he says, Mom, I lied to you yesterday. She said, "She did what? He goes, yeah, I couldn't sleep. The Holy Ghost was dealing with me all night. And I'm telling you, this is not a, a 20-year-old man. This is a child, amen, that has intimacy with the Spirit of God. He says, man, uh, God has been dealing with me all night last night. And I, just, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I lied. I didn't want to get punished for it. Will you forgive me? For lying to you. Absolutely. Go talk to your daddy. You know? Daddy, will you forgive me? Absolutely, I will. Amen. Well, why did he do this? Man, he was scot-free. She got the blame. She got grounded. Everything was grand, man. He could have gone do whatever he wanted to do. Why did he reveal this? Why? Because of an intimacy. Not not just his intimacy with the Father, Amen. But an intimacy that he had with us. Amen. He didn't want anything to come in between that. He wanted he want open honesty, be able to communicate with us and nothing hindering that. See, see there wasn't a bridge that, that, that we broke down because of that. No, he did. He broke it down in his lying. He broke it down in his sin. And what brought that back? Forgiveness. Seeking for forgiveness, which was brought forth from repentance. Amen. Skipping down here to verse 9. It says, then, then he said, Lo, I come to you to do thy will, O God. He goes, He that takes away the first, that he may establish the second. But thee which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. He goes, And every priest stands daily ministering, oftentimes for the same sacrifices that can never, that can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down. At the right hand of God. Why did Jesus have to sit down? Because redemption was completed. He completed it. He finished it. Jesus came into rest because there was no more forgiving anymore. I mean, I'm telling you, church, when you mess up, when we when we if you sin and, and, and you get crossways with the things of God, Jesus isn't constantly offering up his blood every time we make a mistake. No, he offered it up once upon the mercy seat and it was completed completed. It was finished. It is done. Finis. Amen. It, it, It is gone. It is done. I'm telling you, church, we have a better covenant based on better promises. We have a better covenant based on better promises. I just got a few more verses for you here. It says, in verse 13, it says, from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made a footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. He has perfected. He has completed forever them that are sanctified. Anyone sanctified in here? I'm telling you, you've been perfected. You've been completed. He says, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness unto us. For after that, he said, this is the covenant that I will make with them after in those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws upon their heart, and in their minds I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. I'm telling you, interesting enough, church, we don't have to go look for the Ten Commandments. When you get saved, when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, when you get made new, you don't have to go put the commandments on your wall. You don't have to go you know, to the, court, the courthouse or whatever it is to, to find what the laws are. You don't have to go study what the, word, the, what the Word says the laws are in Deuteronomy and Numbers. All you have to do is look on the inside of you. Look on the Spirit of God, because the Lord himself stamped, His law upon your heart. He didn't just stop there. He stamped it upon your heart to where we can be led by Him in everything that we're doing. That we can be in union with Him in everything that we're doing. Listen, church, this is why it's so important for us to be led by the Spirit. It's so important for us to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and everything that we're doing. So when anything isn't right, we're, we're quick to change our, our, our mind, our thinking, our opinion. We're quick to repent, amen, in the things that we're doing so we can get right with the things of God. He says, and their sins and iniquities. will I remember no more. Now, remission of these is, where remission of sin is, he goes, there is no more offering for sin. There's no more temporary offering, church. It's been finished. Absolute absolute forgiveness and cancellation has taken place. But see, these Jews in this day were trying to go back, regress, start making sacrifices again. And the and the, the Spirit of God through through the word here is trying to tell them you don't have to do those things anymore. It is done. The things that you're doing, they're dead. They're dead works. What what is dead? If it's anything you're doing that means nothing. Amen. It's dead because they mean nothing. So let me finish with this. What are we looking at on time here? Oh, man. I've been, I've been, that seems to go by pretty quick here. I don't know what time I get started. But. So anyhow, bear with me. I, I want to I do a couple more. Let me finish this off, and then we'll pick it up next week. If you turn back one chapter, I'm going to just read a few verses here. because I want to talk about what, what, does the, what, what do these verses have to do with the modern church? Amen. So in in verse 12, it says, Neither by the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having attained eternal judgment for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkled, the unclean sanctified, the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, of Jesus himself, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purging your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. God is purging our conscience from dead works to serving the living God. What does this look like in the day and age that we're living in now in this modern day church? Amen. What are dead works to us? Because when all everyone knows, we're not taking a goat, we're not getting a lamb, we're not going to make another sacrifice. That's not what we believe. That's not how we operate. So how do dead works apply to us? Anything that is done out of your head, amen, is dead. Anything done out of your head and not from your heart is dead. I'll even say you can be serving in the church, and if you're doing it because you want attention, it can be a dead work because it's not out of your heart. It's something to get recognition. It's something to to have people like you. Or even if you're doing it because you think God's going to love you for doing it, listen, it has become a dead work. Everything we do in the body of Christ nowadays has to come from our heart. has to be led from our heart. Amen. It's like the old school Pentecostals. Amen. Like my pastor would have grown up from and and many others. Man, they had all kinds of dead works back in those days. Listen, they didn't all start off like that. It wasn't because they, init- they wanted to initiate dead works, amen? But they, but they grew into dead works because it wasn't something they were doing because they wanted to honor God. They thought they were doing something to bring them into the presence of God. What they do? You couldn't cut your hair. They had to have their all hair up in a bun. You had to wear dresses. You couldn't wear pants or jeans into the church. You know, they, they were doing all kinds of crazy things like that. They couldn't wear makeup and they couldn't wear jewelry, amen? These were dead works. Now, they started off, that's something nice. Maybe they started off wanting to honor God, but it got, it became dead. It became dead as it became an opportunity to think that that's going to bring them into communion with God. Amen. I like how John Osteen, if any of y'all know who he is, it'd be Joel's father. He's passed away and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus at the moment, but he, he was sitting there talking in, in one of his services one day, and he said, he said man, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that, 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 we can, that, we were, that we got rid of all these religious laws we used to have in the church. He said, I'm thankful that women can cut their hair and be stylish. I'm thankful that they can wear, you know, pants. They can wear whatever they want. I'm thankful that they can wear jewelry. He goes, and I'm telling you what, I'm thankful they can wear makeup. And everyone looked. He goes, I'm thankful they can wear makeup. And he said, why is that? He goes, I grew up in Texas. Amen. If the old barn needs a little bit of coat of paint, he goes, I'm telling you, did the barn good. And he said, the same thing goes with our ladies. And I'm telling you, you got a bunch of booze out of that. But I'm telling you, that there is a reality to that. Amen. And he was just making fun of some of these things. But it's a, there is a reality that we need to step out. We need to analyze everything we're doing. Amen. if we're not doing it from the spirit, if we're not doing it from our heart, we need to reexamine it. Amen. But with that being said, with that being said, let me say this. As you begin to mature in the things of God, there will be a desire on the inside of you to do things that please Him. Amen. Those aren't dead. That's not a dead work. You mean, your dress may change the way you when you come into church. You may desire to have your hair cut a certain way. You may desire even something in your giving may change. But listen, it's not because it's something religious that you have to do. It's something because you want to honor Him and love Him with the things you're doing, amen? But I'm telling you, church, even us nowadays, we still have a lot of these hidden religious things that we're doing that that have no significance in our lives. You say, what is that? I'm telling you, church, sometimes our prayer life can be a dead work. Sometimes our studying the word of God can be a dead work. I'm saying sometimes fasting, sometimes coming to church can be a dead work if our heart, if our motivation is not correct. You know, what is this word dead here in the Greek? It's the Greek word nekros. It means dead like a corpse. The same thing that Jesus was talking to the church of Sardis in Revelations chapter 3. He says, man, you have a reputation that you're alive, but you're necros. You're dead like a corpse. There's no life on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, this is the same thing he's talking about, these works. Amen. Everything we ought to be doing ought to have life on the inside of us. We not have to have anything that looks like a corpse that we're doing it just to do it or doing it for work's sake. We need to do it because we're trying to honor him, because we're loving him, because the Spirit has asked us to do these things. Amen. Anything we've made a tradition out of, you might wanna you might want to get it checked. You might wanna you might wanna analyze these things, amen. I'd even say I would say this does not have anything to do with making a habit of something, amen, or being systematic, because I'm a very systematic person. I don't know if any of you are in here, but I'm a very systematic person. You can ask my wife. We can go to the same restaurant, and every restaurant I go to, I have one thing I usually eat from it. Why? Because I've tried it, I know I like it, and I don't really venture outside of it, amen. I'm very systematic. I've been waking up at the same time for years, I get up and pray, I get up and study the word of God, I prepare my messages, and then I go about the rest of my day, the administrative work for the church or whatever it has. It's been going on for years. Why? Because I made a habit of it. Why? Because habits are good. Amen. Because see, when you have a dry time coming in your life, I mean, the habits, what's going to keep you established and keep you pushing forward. I mean, they'll keep you in prayer, it'll keep you studying the word of God. But what I'm getting at is don't let your motivation get on the backside thinking it's going to bring you intimate with God, you know, because you're doing something for it. Amen. Do it because you love them. Amen. Do it because you got the right heart of these. I mean, church, you look at the churches nowadays, man, there's all kinds of crazy things going on in the church that are absolutely dead. I mean, there's people waving flags and people burning incense. There's people dancing all over the place. There's people doing all kinds of crazy things, doing art. There's there's amazing things that are happening in the church, and they're all dead. I'm telling you, there's a dance you can do for God and the Spirit. I'm telling you, those things aren't dead. I'm telling you, anytime we get a performance-based mentality on the inside of us, we're, we're, come up here and look at me. Come up here and look at me for how good I am at doing something. I'm telling you, you step right over into a dead work. I'm telling you, you need to reevaluate those things. We need to reevaluate those things. I'll close with this. You know, when I first came to the Lord, man, I hated worship. I hated praise and worship. Not that I hated it, just, I just, well, yeah, I didn't like it. I'll just put it to you that way. I didn't like it at all. You know, you come in there and you're sitting there singing songs that I don't even like. Amen. And I asked my wife, I was like, why? Because, you know, she was saved a lot longer than I was. I said, why, why, when we go to church, why can't the preacher just talk all the time? Amen. I mean, that's why I probably talk so much. Amen. I said, why can't the preacher just talk all the time? Because I, I want to hear from him. Amen. I, I want to hear what he has for us. Amen. I, I want to I learn. I want to grow up in the things of God. I don't want to sit there and sing songs that I don't even like. I don't even like the way they sound. Amen. But I came to the place as I began to mature. I learned that not everything is about me. Amen? How many of y'all figured that out in your, in your life? I mean, have, y'all, have you two found that out yet? Not everything is about you. Amen? And when you find yourself in church and you want things done the way you want them done, you're going to come to this revelation one of these days that not everything is about you. Now I love to praise God. Now I love to worship God. Why? Because it's not all about me. I don't come to church just for me. I'm thankful for the word that gets sown on the inside of me, but I'm not going to allow a dead work to take place. I love to worship him. Why? Because church, I come here for him. I come here to worship him. I come here to honor him. I come to hear what he can, he can minister into me. Listen, church, when, I, when I'm ministering the word, he's talking to me as much as he's trying to talk to you out there. He's ministering to us as the body of Christ, amen. But you got to learn not to be self-centered in everything that we're doing and seek him out, amen. See, when you come to that, then you'll find out that, that you can sing, that you can worship, just like we have a beautiful worship team Amen. That comes all the way from Dundalk until we get some people up here that'll will, that will start ministering, ministering music up here. But I'm telling you, you'll find that, that people that when they get pressed in, they they find out they're here to worship him, man. A worship will be phenomenal wherever you go. I'm telling you, you'll find you'll find someone dancing off in the back of the church, not because they're wanting wanting someone to look at them and 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 and, and gawk over them because they're pretty and they look cool in their tights. No, no. No, it's because, man, the Holy Ghost is all over them. They're giving dance to the Lord. I mean, this is what this is what David was doing, when he was, when he was dancing with all of his might. Listen, we don't dance with all of our might now, but we can dance in the spirit. We can dance and have, have the Lord do all kinds of amazing things, but don't allow those things to progress into a dead work, to where it's something we have to do to have a performance-based mentality to where we can have all the cool kids come and watch what we're doing. Amen? We're not going to step into dead works. We're not going to worship people. Amen? But we're going to come to worship him. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your, for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. We thank you, Lord, for the hearts of every person that came here today to seek your face, to hear from you, to, to hear the word of God being taught. Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we glorify. We thank you and we trust that the word went forth with power. That went forth a seed, Lord, and is sown into a cultivated heart, Lord. And it will produce fruit, Lord. They'll begin to change everything that comes in their their midst. Everything that comes into arm's reach for them, Lord. So we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. We thank you for this church. We thank you for new beginnings. We thank you for, for adding people. Lord, we thank you for your spirit that's moving in this place. We thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be, Lord. Thanking you, Lord, here at that island church, we are covered by your blood, we are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.